Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. This is Lisa, and I'm joined by Dana, Heather, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and the various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. Today, we are going to be continuing with our story series. We're going to be hearing from Dana today. She's going to talk about uh, what life was like and what happened and where, what her life is like now. So I'm going to pass it over to Dana. Thanks, Lisa. Hello, ladies, Four Sober Chicks. It's good to see everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I guess we can just dive right into my story here. Um, you know, as as with the others that you've heard so far, um, I don't have a lot of trauma in my childhood. I I say that, but I, I maybe I'll ask you after I tell my story if this is actually trauma or not, because I I feel like when I'm thinking about my story, the more I think about what happened as a child, um, it does have you know, consequences on how I've turned out today. So um, as a child, I had a pretty good childhood. I was an only child. Um, my parents were together until I was 17. Um, not a happy marriage, but <laughs> all the while I was there um, with both of my parents until after high school. Um, as a kid, I was bullied horribly. Um, in seventh grade was probably my worst year ever. Um, I was voted the most homely girl in school from all of the boys. Um, and my best friend since I was three years old who lived next door to me, uh, shunned me and decided I wasn't cool enough for her and got the whole neighborhood against me. So standing at the bus stop was not really a fun thing to do. Um, until her parents told her that she would not get her stereo for her birthday um, until she made up with me. So um, we made up for her birthday. She got her stereo and oddly, she is one of my dearest friends to this day. <laughs> um, but I think some of those circumstances have, have really driven me with abandonment issues, um, people pleasing issues, um, you know, trying to please everybody to make sure that they still like me. So I think, um, you know, when I look back on that, I guess there is a little bit of trauma. Um, but you know, that leading into life in general, I brought that with me. Um, you know, always feeling I had to look the part, um, you know, the makeup, the hair, I still deal with that today. <laughs> and, um, you know, body image and all of those things uh, rolled up into all of that. Um, so fast forward, I, you know, high school kind of sucked. High school was not really all that great either. Um, I dated somebody who I found out was sleeping with my other best friend for a whole year before I found out about that one. So, um, 
I, I think <laughs> that is all traumatic when it comes to relationships and things like that. Um, that same boyfriend, I, I was 15 at the time. And um, that was that that New Year's was the first year that I had anything to drink. And um, that best friend, gave her older sister, we were drinking Canadian whiskey on New Year's Eve. And I got really drunk, um, ended up going to that boyfriend's house, asking for a glass of water. He gave me a glass of gin. I was too drunk to know it. Um, ended up passing out in the toilet, almost drowning myself while I was throwing up, um, and swore to myself I was never drinking again. Um, which I really didn't. Um, I could probably count on one hand how many times I had a drink after that until I was age 40. Um, so I, my first marriage was to an alcoholic. Um, and you know, I, I thought I could change him. I thought, you know, why can't you just put this stuff down? Why can't you just stop? Why can't you just quit? Um, we went through a very tumultuous time um, where he ended up, you know, having an affair and he promised he would quit drinking and we went to therapy and all of that good stuff. And, um, you know, he, he swore that he wouldn't drink and if he did, I promised I would leave. And he, his favorite um, alcoholic choice was beer. So he could, he could really slam them down. Um, and he quit for a couple of years. Everything was really good. Um, and then he started drinking wine and wine was different than beer, you know? So he thought it was okay until it became, you know, another regular habit. So, um, we just decided at that point that it was just not going to, to work. So we separated in 2008 and divorced in 2009. And that's when the slew of horrendous relationships started to happen for me. Um, I wasn't, I thought I was confident in who I was, but I really wasn't. Um, I still had that people pleasing gene. I still had that, um, you know, wanted to change the world, wanted to change everybody and thought I could, um, which you absolutely can't, <laughs> as we all know, we all have to change for ourselves. Um, so in 2010, um, I started dating somebody who was a narcissist and a heavy drinker. And I started to drink to keep up with this man um, because I didn't want to lose him, even though it was just one of the worst relationships I have ever, ever been in. Um, and along that line, I was also in a very tumultuous, toxic relationship at work as well with um, my manager. And in 2011, I decided I had had enough of both of them and quit both of them. I broke up with the boyfriend and I found a different position within my company. Um, and they both made my life hell. And I started drinking on a regular basis. I had these Xanax for panic attacks, which I wasn't used to. Um, and it got really ugly and I really, really lost myself. I lost myself in both of those relationships. Um, to the point where I, I had a side gig as a running coach and my, one of my best friends and I ran this coaching business together. He fired me 
um, and he refused to basically be my friend until I got rid of this guy. Um, it changed me so much to my core and um, it, it ended up being a slew of years that not a lot of years, but it seemed it where I just lost myself. I didn't know who I was. Um, I wasn't sure if I really cared if I knew who I was. I was just trying to look for that next boyfriend to because I thought that the external stuff was going to make me whole again, um, which it didn't. <laughs> um, and in the process, I met my now husband, Mike. He has three kids, um, and that was in 2013. He's a very good man, and he is the exact opposite of anybody I would ever date, you know, and um, he was good for me, but it didn't um, stop me from drinking and taking on three kids, 11, 9, and 6, from a very fresh divorce with anger issues and, and, you know, all of these other issues that go along with not such a friendly divorce was very hard. Um, and the uptick in drinking occurred, you know, over the next several years until last year when I decided to quit. Um, the, I don't know, the last couple of years before that, I started having those brownouts and the blackouts, um, was getting in ridiculous conversations with the oldest son. Um, the youngest son, if every time he went down to the basement to get a soda or a water, he's like, hey, Dane, do you want a monkey? Because that was my favorite. Victory Golden Monkey is my favorite beer. Um, and I started to think that probably isn't such a great thing that this, you know, 10, 11 year old is, knows my favorite beer and is, you know, happy to go down and get me one. I just thought that was a little awkward and odd. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, it, it got more frequent. The, the blackouts were more frequent. The conversations I couldn't remember were more frequent. Um, the drive homes from being out with friends that I can't remember were more frequent. Um, I would get home in the driveway and I'd be like, okay, where was I and how did I get here? And that is scary. Like I, could have killed somebody. I could have killed myself. What if the kids were in the car? Um, and I'm very lucky I didn't. I know um, so far, Heather and Lisa, you you all have talked about guardian angels and somebody watching over you. And I feel I have the same um, something, you know, knew that there was something better for me on the other side of this that, that kept watching out for me for sure. Um, you know, and, and Lisa, you spoke of, of, you know, the relative and unique rock bottoms that we all have. You know, it's not the quintessential homeless person that's under a bridge with a, with a brown bag. You know, it's, um, there's all levels of this rock bottom. And, um, you know, Heather and Meredith, I know that you've all had, you've had your same different rock bottoms as well. Um, mine is is a chicken cheesesteak <laughs> and as you know ridiculous and hilarious as that is when you find out that i'm a master vegan lifestyle coach and educator you find out how soul crushing that is when you find out the next day that you have inhaled a whole you know chicken cheesesteak and and um a 
all of your morals and ethics have just been sidelined just because you were drinking. Um, and that to me is just so sad and terrifying because what else would I do, you know, blacked out that I, you know, could I have had an affair? Could I have been in a situation where I don't remember being with another person or any of those things? That's, that's terrifying to me. Um, and not remembering the conversation. So a week after I had that chicken cheesesteak and it was yummy. I do remember <laughs> a little bit of the taste of it because I used to love them. Um, you know, I, I quit. So it, that happened in August of 2020. Um, August 31st was my first sobriety date um, and day of, of no more drinking. And I'm at, I think, 478 days today. Um, I don't normally count, but once in a while it'll pop up and I'll see it and it makes me happy. Um, and the things that have transpired since then have been phenomenal, amazing, um, surprising. I, I sit here with the three of you and I'm like, I get to do this. This is like the most amazing thing ever. Um, and, um, you know, I found being a coach, being a, a health and wellness coach and a vegan coach and all of those things, the coaching thing spoke to me. I didn't do the 12 steps. Um, that wasn't in my makeup to do that. I still feel that I should go and experience it um, as I'm more open to those types of things now. So I, I want to experience the different types of support systems that, that are out there. Um, but I did, I found the coaching program that we all went through um, and how we've all met and it changed my life. It changed my thought process on everything and it was my support system. Um, and revamping my coaching to a sobriety and recovery coach um, and also a corporate wellness person has just exploded my life in a way that I could never see happening. Um, my program is Reclaim Your Moxie and that is so true on so many levels for me. Like I, my moxie shines every day, even though I've been up since two o'clock this morning because I haven't been able to sleep. Um, my moxie's still there, <laughs> you know, and it still guides me through. And and um, I'm so thankful that I took a leap of faith for myself. I found my own knight in shining armor, and you know, took that leap of of sobriety and. You know, those first couple of weeks and couple of months, man, I was white knuckling it. I I won't lie. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. Um, but there is a definite difference between sobriety and recovery. And I really feel like I'm in recovery. I am sober, but I am also in recovery. Um, I don't white knuckle it. it it's, it's, it's my lifestyle now. And um, it's just who I am now. It's I don't have to think about it. Are there triggers every day? not every day, but there's triggers here and there, um, family functions for sure. <laughs> um, but nothing that's made me feel like I need a drink or I need to pick up. And I am so very thankful, um, for say staying solid in that. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's, you know, it's brought me to a really, really great place and it's brought me to the three of you, which, you know, I am so very grateful for so we can get this message out there and and you know if, if it's one person we help we've done our job amazing um, that was incredible thank you Dana 
Sorry, Meredith, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the sandwich because you had mentioned that yeah. pre any of this. Um, yeah. And that really, really stuck with me because I had always envisioned a rock bottom being like, mm. uh, well, I, well, I, I guess I compare other people's rock bottom to what I went through. And I'm like, wow, a, a food was your rock bottom like that's it's yep. awesome in awesome. the sense of it just proves yeah. it yeah. everyone and it could be yeah. anything anything it just has to hit anything. that point of yeah this is enough type of thing yeah so true so true yeah. I mean because <clears throat> how many times have we all tried to stop you know I mean I, that same year in 2020 I did dry January and, you know, by January 28th, I'm like, yeah, come on, February 2nd for the Super yeah. Bowl. I can't wait to get shit-faced. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? And I did, you know, falling down, blackout, shit-faced on Super Bowl yeah. night um, yeah. to the point where I left a, a shoe at one of my friend's houses. Um, yeah. You know, and it that didn't that didn't push me over, um, you know, the, the scream fights with my my eldest didn't push me over there. There were so many times in, in the previous months and years before that, that I tried to quit. I mean, I even started a journal with one of my best friends. She moved to Nevada and we started passing a journal back and forth. And I wrote in there, I'm like, I quit mm -hmm. drinking. This was like three years ago. And, um, she's like, I'm so proud of you. And then like six months later, I started not even maybe three months later, I started drinking again and I just didn't have the heart to tell her. And then the kind of just stopped with the journal thing. Um, so yeah, like you said, it just, it could be anything, anything mm -hmm. that trips us and, and flips that switch. I agree. I, it's, I, there was one time when I had an awful accident, I had a blackout and my, I guess I was, I lost my balance and I ended up with a black eye, I fell down my back steps and was in a neck brace. You, you know, you would think something like oh, that yeah. would be something that would do it. But no, like it, it can be anything. I kind of see your, see it as like a bucket and, and it just, all these experiences keep, you know, layering and layering and layering. And it could be absolutely anything that tips you over. Yeah. Absolutely anything where you just go, okay, I can't do this anymore. So much I resonate with when it comes to that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Heather, and... sorry. did you ahead. have blackouts, Heather? Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I didn't have a blackout other, I, I have never heard the term brownouts, mm -hmm. but I have, and I think this might be what a brownout is, I have lost time. <clears throat> yeah. We used to call yes. it time warp. Yeah. And so like, and we eyes. used to joke about yeah. it because we would go into this bar and like, you would go in at whatever time and you'd come out and it'd be five o'clock in the morning. You have no idea like mm -hmm. how that much time mm -hmm. passed. Um, or there's periods when I would think about a night and I wouldn't be able to put all of the time together, Yeah, you know, but I was really famous for, uh, throwing up throughout the night so I could drink more. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I never, I think I, because of that, like I would just feel so full and, and I would start to, to like spin and I didn't want the end the evening to end because once I started I, it, I was in for the long haul I would I would get rid of a lot of the alcohol and then just keep drinking so I think that's what stopped mm -hmm. me from getting so, like yeah. alcohol yes. poisoning or yeah 
But um, how about you, Meredith? So the funny thing is, is I never blacked out ever. I passed out to where it, but I, it was like, you know, we were getting home and I literally laid on my bed and I was done, but Mm -hmm. I've never experienced a blackout to where I don't remember what other people are telling me that I did. And it's funny because all three of you have mentioned that and I'm sitting there and I'm like, unless I just don't remember it, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a blackout drunk. Yeah, you you it's huge gap. Like a blackout mm-hmm. is huge gaps. Like I remember the next morning calling friends to help piece the night together. And I'd say wow. my last memory is dessert, you know, out for dinner. And they were like, Oh wow, you were out till two in the morning. So like I'm talking from ten at night four until hours. about two and four hours. Yeah. Near the end there, it was four hours of and they and and I would say are you kidding me? Like, what was I like? And they'd say, you were fine. And this is the interesting thing. They'd say, you were fine, Lisa. You were totally fine. You were talking, you were drunk, you were slurring, but you were fine. And I'm like, wow. It's, but to your point, Dana, like what could have happened? What could I have said? What could I have done? You know, there's so, it's terrifying. It's use the word scary. For me, it was so scary. Wow. It is, it is terrifying. I mean, I, and I, I had the same thing, Lisa, like I stopped at, I stopped talking to my husband in the morning after I drank because I would say I would start telling, well, no, I would start telling (laughs) him something and he's like, yeah, you, you told us this last night. And I'm like, and I have no recollection of what I said. And I'm like, that scares me because I'm like, what else could have come out of my mouth that shouldn't have? you know, yeah. to, to other yeah. people or whatever. And, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's scary. I had a friend that same August who was, um, he still drinks, but he was very heavily into vodka and it changed him when mm. he drank and we would go out that there was a bunch of us that would go out. And that one night, um, I, I was, I was not good to drive and I was trying to take his keys away from him and he pushed me and pushed me down. That was the last time he drank vodka. He's like, oh my God, you know, I could have really hurt you. Um, he's, he was my gym buddy and, um, Mm -hmm. he still to this day does not remember that incident. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, his wife is still like, don't you dare touch the vodka (laughs) ever again. Um, but you do, you, you have these things, at least that got him stopped on the hard liquor. He's still drinking beer, but, um, not anywhere Mm -hmm. near where he was. Um, but it's scary mm. it, that that blackout stuff is just, yeah. you know, what do you do with that? Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, <clears throat> I'm a Googler, <laughs> <laughs> but so I think we've talked before, like my, my whole thing is like what happens in your, like in your yeah. brain. Yeah. Yeah. So it says during a blackout, the hippocampus in the brain is unable to form long-term memories. So it literally shuts off. You Mm -hmm. drink enough alcohol, it will shut off a part of your brain. Yep. Crazy. It says as a result, the person can fail to remember large chunks of time despite being conscious. And you can act completely normal. Like half the time people didn't know I was drunk. Yes. I didn't slur. I didn't, I wasn't, I was a happy, gushy drunk you know same with me I I loved everyone yeah (laughs) I did too which is probably bad too because I probably write people a little too much sometimes of the opposite sex but I you know whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) not to the extent of you know because I've yeah 
mostly with friends and my my husband yeah. all the time yeah. so <laughs> they saved yeah. me but um huh. yeah it's yeah. it's a scary thought to yeah. to me and i'm like oh my god is this what like dementia is like is this what alzheimer's is like is this because mm. if it is like i don't want any part of it <laughs> so, yeah wow <clears throat> yeah and that's what time... that, yeah sorry go, oh, ahead. go ahead no 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 i was just thinking like that's that that's where i when i was really starting to question all this that was the the big blackouts were what got me very nervous about brain health <laughs> like I'm yes. thinking wow you know is this is this going to be forever and I did do some research on that and depending on how long you've been doing this for um you know if, if you've been blacking up for years and years and years and years you can have serious long-term effects yeah. but you can get your memory back not not the memories that were lost during that time obviously but if you're finding that your drinking is causing you to just not like you're foggy and your, your memory isn't what it used to be. And you are a traditional blackout or brownout drinker. The good news is, um, you, you can get that back, get things working properly again. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and I feel it. I mean, I'm sharp as a yeah, tack. Me too. Days, you know, even yeah. without sleeping. Um, I am not. <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing. Like I'm so happy that my memories are coming back, that I remember yeah. things that I can have yeah. a, you know, that I'm, I'm a sponge again. Like I'm, I, yeah. in a, in, you know, I just got a promotion. So I have a ton of stuff to learn and I'm learning. I, it's, yeah. it's absorbing it's, and, and I'm, it's processing. And I love that. Um, mm. But I, you know, I hear okay. it like uh, for years, I was on Ambien for two and a half years because I mm. couldn't sleep. Well, nobody told me it was because of the alcohol, you know, yeah. so here I am drinking four, nine and a half percent, wow. uh, you know, beers and then slamming down, you know, two ad, uh, Ambien's and yeah. Yeah. downer with a downer. Yep. And yeah, still right. Waking up at 3 a.m. with the sweats and the anxiety yeah. and the what ifs and the oh, my yeah. gods and the I'll never do this again. And mm -hmm. six hours later, I'm ducking behind the camera at work swigging away yeah yeah so. what's funny is <clears throat> i so the only time and this goes back to the you know when you were like well blacking out that should have been my first inclination of hmm <laughs> i got mm. roofied um Ooh. and that i mean again guardian angel <clears throat> the mm -hmm. whole nine mm -hmm. um i had a sip of, of one drink and I couldn't, I mean, this is in college. Um, but even then I was like, Oh, I'm, we'll still go out tomorrow. I'm just not going to have anyone like that. Didn't even that wasn't bother that. me. <laughs> like I felt like crap and thank God I had friends who realized what was going on and they took me. Well, actually I was at the bar, had a drink that was bought for us. And it was the, here's your drink. Here's your drink mm -hmm. from a group of guys. And <clears throat> I remember drinking and then I woke up in my bed and I turned to the side of my bed. And one of my best friends at the time, who was a guy was sleeping on top of my covers, just sleeping next to me. And I was like, what? And he was like, I called you, you sounded housed. And this was mm -hmm. probably 30 minutes after I'd gotten that drink. Um, and then he, he's like, I found you. And I was like, you're done. And so he took me straight home. But if I would not have had him there, 
or if he would have not called that night, God only knows. And where I live, it is almost an every weekend occurrence that you hear. Um, wow. But college kids Ooh. still go out. Like they yeah. still do it because I, I, I think part of it is FOMO. I think that's also part of their way of socializing and having fun at the same time. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I hear about it all the time. But yeah, that was not a, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I just shouldn't That wasn't train. the time. Yeah. Was, yeah. Not at all. I think about all this, a lot of the stuff that happened like through the years, there were so many red flags. So many, like I just started to wave the red flag myself, you know, yeah. like I just took it on as my international colors. Like there were so many things and I can't necessarily share a lot of them because, you know, like I lived in a house with, with three other women and and um mm. some and it, they're not my stories to tell but just stuff that i should have stepped back and said this is not mm. this is not okay i just thought it was normal and just we just rolled with it and like you said mary it's like oh it's fine you know whatever we got through it it's cool you know mm-hmm. like just um i don't know i don't know if it's for me i'm just desensitized i was desensitized to the mm. the sheer craziness of it um, but I hear both, the, you know, I hear your story and I hear like Lisa's story, you know, I haven't, we, we have not had a chance to listen to Meredith's, but you guys really kind of saw the, the writing on the wall and then made changes in your lives. I feel like that time period was much longer for me. And I had to just get to this point where, um, I had to hit rock bottom because I just wasn't getting it another way. So I give you guys a lot of credit for like, and this is what part of this conversation is about. Like, um, I didn't know we could do it any other way. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I didn't like, it wasn't so bad. I could still function. I still was getting up and doing the things that I needed to do. So that was cool, right? Everything's good. So I give you guys a lot of credit for like recognizing it and making those changes at a time before you um, blew your lives up, you know, or had to have these severe I, I consequences. Think, I, I think, you know, when you're drinking, and we know this through um, the, re, the course that we took, you're not thinking rationally, right? You're not able to use the rational part of your brain um, that gives you that clarity. And so it's so difficult to, um, make the decision almost for yourself um, or, or what am I trying to say here? It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, it, it just depends what, what outside forces are, pl- are at play, what other influences there are that help you finally come to the decision that this is what you should do because you're kind of, whether you're, you know, you're a, cr- a really, really heavy drinker or a, an occasional drinker, but it's not making you feel great, but you still have alcohol in your system. You're not able to think rationally. So, so to, to make the decision that you're not going to do it anymore, you're going to get curious about it. It's almost like something needs to pull you out and like grab you. And I don't know for all of us, it's been something different that's pulled us to go, okay, start looking in this direction you know, and, and I think for a lot of people, it starts with that little bit of curiosity. And for anybody out there who's slightly curious, grab onto that curiosity, <clears throat> get curious, yep. deep into that, because that you're, you're almost 
at the beginning stages, that's the most difficult part. And because you're not thinking rationally, you know, and it's like, start just immersing yourself in all the different things and all the different ways, no matter where you are. And when you, what's when funny, you, oh, oh, sorry, Meredith, nope. when, you, when you say that, I think back to my, my ex-husband and mm. why I was like, why can't you just put this down? Why can't you just, right. you just stop, right? Being in the throes of it, I totally get it. And, you know, my public apology right now, because I haven't been able to mm. tell him that I'm sorry for not understanding and not getting it because mm. it is, this is a message for those that are listening for their family yeah. members or for their friends. There is nothing you can do <laughs> other yeah. than be there for them, support. hold the space for them, support them and guide them, you know, yeah. when they're ready to, to get this help that they need. Um, forcing them to do something will not work and it may make it worse. Um, mm. As I've seen, you know what I mean? And, and um, I think that goes along with what you were saying, Lisa, with it, it's got to mm. be your decision. I, yes, there can mm -hmm. be external, like yeah. with you, Heather, there could be, you know, where you, you went into to treatment and, you know, those types of things. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. it just be there mm -hmm. for them. I see so yeah. many people that are so angry with their family members and so angry with their friends. Mm -hmm. And I know the frustration and mm -hmm. um, unless you're in it, you don't get it. And, and just have a little bit of patience, a little bit of faith um, mm -hmm. that, you know, you can help guide them to the right place that they need to be to, to find mm -hmm. themselves again. Well, and I can guarantee that <clears throat> if I knew what I know now about addiction, my, the support for my mom, who was, a hardcore alcoholic would have looked completely different. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But there's also in my mind, that fear factor of, you know, there were, um, threats, if you will, of me to my mom being like, dude, <laughs> if you don't mm -hmm. get your shit together, we're, we're done, done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so hard being that outside person looking at someone with an addiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you honestly think if you, there's nothing that you can do, they could die. Like that was literally what I said. I was like, if I don't intervene some way, shape or form, she could literally kill herself unbeknownst to her. Yeah. And that's what I feel like people are protecting is they want that person to stay here. And therefore sure. they do like mandatory treatment or interventions or, um, you know, the whole nine. But until that person is at the point that they are willing to let the alcohol go and they can be honest and real with themselves. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, because for me, like when I hit rock bottom, it was the first, I had said way before I got to cut back. I probably shouldn't drink as much. I'm not going to drink this weekend. I never said I'm going to quit drinking alcohol. Like that was a very permanent thing for me. And when I said that, like the weight that came off of my shoulders, I was like, whole, holy cow. Like it was hard and it was a daily thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I had to get to that point where I still was a little bit logical of being like, if this keeps going the way that it is, 
is not going to go anywhere good. I mean, at like at all. And so knowing that each person has to get to that emotional point, Mm -hmm. you know, like Heather, you had said that you're, you felt like yours take, took forever. Well, I'll be honest from my college days, I was telling myself, geez, I can drink a lot. Like, so it's been that whole Mm -hmm. span. It just came to that tipping point. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it had to be done. Um, because at that point I chose a better life over what was happening. But when I was in the daughter shoes for my mom, I was like, I just don't want her to die. So what can I do to make her not die? And it, it never, it never worked at all. And I think Meredith, this is, this is what you and I both share where we both had moms who were addicts, um, Mm -hmm is that that is how powerful it is. We both grew up mm-hmm. seeing someone and, and for me, mm-hmm. mine lost her battle. She did die. Um, and I still was not able to mm-hmm. prevent myself from following in those footsteps. Now, mm-hmm. what I was able to do um, was ask for help, yeah. you know? And, um, but there were things like I've mentioned that I was, I think I was suicidal and I didn't recognize it because I was Mm. so anti-suicide that I just didn't see how reckless and how I was to the point where I just didn't care any longer, you know? So I wasn't intentionally going to hurt myself. I was just not protecting myself and taking care of myself, you know, and it's the result Mm -hmm. is the same. Um, And I think that speaks volumes to how difficult this disease is It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with resources. I mean, it has to do with, you know, I want to say luck. I don't want to be like flipping about it, but like, I am lucky that in my life, I had some tools to ask for help and I was able to receive it. And then I was able to do something with it, right? because there's a lot of people who are similar to us and different from us and they don't make it Mm -hmm. or you know um they do make horrific mistakes and they're in jail for those things or whatever it is like um i'm just really grateful and that's the gratitude i'm just so grateful that um, I was able to take that opportunity and change my life. Um, well, and I'll be honest with you. If, if I ended up <clears throat> with my drinking problem and I did not have a mom who was an alcoholic, I, I might not be here. I'm, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten my certification to be a recovery coach. I wouldn't have done any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a huge avid believer of if you can't learn lessons in the really crappy points in your life, like that's where I feel like the most lessons can be learned. And mm-hmm. if people aren't open to that, um, I, I feel like that's almost a disservice, disservice to them. So I always like in really crappy situations, I'm like, what can I take away from this? And and learn. Um, 
yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an interesting perspective. Maybe we, that we can have a conversation about that, like in the future, mm-hmm. about you know what it, what are the what are some of the stepping stones that were put down in place for our journeys to take place? Yeah. You know, maybe it was that my mom was you know lost her life. That there was a point where I was mm-hmm. so scared that I was like, I, I have to, I have to go to treatment. And I went willingly, like we've talked about this. There wasn't an yep. intervention. I went willingly. I was ready to go. But before that point, I wasn't. I, mm-hmm. you know, I was very much uh, not ready for that whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and, to the point about um, having family members, like knowing, knowing that it has to be the person's choice. It's so true. That said, uh, um, I think it's so important as family members or friends of um, to say something mm. because otherwise um, you, you, the person can continue on thinking it's totally fine and normal. I think if you don't say anything at all, then you're condoning totally. the behavior. Um, so you you do have to know though that they're not going to change just because you said I think you're having you know you're you're not. Yeah. Drink, you know, drinking responsibly or whatever. They're not going to change, but it's planting a seed, you know, mm-hmm. like you need to mm-hmm. plant those seeds. And um, I think it's important not to just stay silent. As that was my member. husband. My husband kept telling me, he's like, do you really need to open that third bottle? Do you yeah. really need that glass? Like he would always say it and it would piss me yeah. off. Right. Because I was like, don't tell me what to do. But in the back of my mind, I knew I'm like, he's, I knew he was right. Yeah. I just didn't care. (laughs) Um, But he was always, and he never said it. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Drinking caused serious issues in our marriage. Um, But he never did it um, maliciously to where he was like, oh, you know, kind of like trying to tear me down. But he was like, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know yeah. if you need that or, yeah. um, but yeah, I knew doing it, right. saying it without judgment, you know, for, mm-hmm. for those out there who are like, Oh, I don't know how to deal with this. It's just, don't make, don't make the person feel judged. Just acknowledge, totally. just acknowledge yeah. and have it come from you out of love and care. Yeah. You know, also uh, my sister they, once they will take mm-hmm. it as a judgment, no matter how nice you say so it. True. <laughs> and <laughs> I did, Although, but they, but I totally I did. Once, yeah. I think once they get clear and they do get yeah. sober and they get into recovery, they'll look back on that. Thank you. And then yeah. they'll realize that there was no judgment when it was said, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's a, it's an amazing process. I'm sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. I was, <laughs> I, abs- I totally agree with that. It, it was when my sister once said to me, you're acting in ways that I don't think you want to act, you know, like she, she, she kind of positioned it that way. Not, I don't want you doing this, Lisa, or you're making a fool out of yourself or you're this, or you're that it's, you're, you're just, I know that that's not who you want to be, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And that really resonated with me. That really <laughs> hit home. Even during, even during the times when I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. same guy that pushed me down with the vodka is the same guy that said, I think you might be drinking just a little too much. You know, sometimes that's all it takes, yep. right? Is a yep. little. And the husband yeah, just, said it too. Mm-hmm. The husband said it too, as he was bringing me the fourth beer. He's like, are you really uh, sure you need this? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> I'm like, gimme. And I would get halfway <laughs> through, pass out on the couch. Then he would yeah. wrap it up in tin foil and put it back in the refrigerator. Oh my God. <laughs> 
that's a good husband yeah i don't know is it is it is it but no again i love him dearly but i think you know he he he's not a conflict kind of guy so i think Mm -hmm. it was you know one of those things where he made you think about it you know and like you meredith it would piss me off oh yeah (laughs) um but you know in your heart that that they're out they're just looking out for the best for you well and that was even why I was like screw you because I was like I know he's right but I'm gonna prove him wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's horrible yeah Yeah. so bad yeah and then you got to the point where you just hide it then you know I was I was that way I would just be like I don't want to deal with the little comments here and there so I'm just gonna hide it so you have to be really careful with making sure the person doesn't feel overly judged you know it's it's, I mean yeah I made sure that I was well into two bottles of wine before my husband came home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then all he saw me do was another bottle. Yeah. yeah. I was two, two, two bottles of, of beer before anybody knew that mm-hmm. I t- started drinking for the day. Um, yeah. And at nine and a half percent, it's, it's a good amount. And yeah. God forbid, I don't eat. No, don't eat. You got to have the bus. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh. Mm-hmm. All the things that I think back to, I'm like, I know. That you know that that doesn't make sense yeah, yet, but again, it goes, to, it goes back to it goes back to what area of your brain is actually functioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's so much clarity afterwards, and you look back and oh. you go, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so yeah. true. Yeah. Well, it takes I, it takes ninety days for your alcohol mm. to leave your brain. Hmm. And to like come out. I mean, that, that to me, when I heard that in rehab, I was like, wow, yeah, that's kind of, you know, so even when you're in three months or so, you know, you've had that sobriety or, you know, we talk about this one month and, and not to say that taking a break for one month isn't a good thing. Um, there's great. definitely benefits for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that it's still in your system. It's still affecting yeah. your brain for that much yeah. for, for that long is kind of amazing. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's where the, you know, the relapse issues come from with mm-hmm. treatment, you know, mm-hmm. the people are in there 28 days, 30 days, they come out and they still are unsure how to live life without it. But in, it's also still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, hardcore. My other, my other big thing with treatment um, and relapse, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to be a recovery coach, because when I came out, I had a recovery coach and I had a therapist that stayed mm, with support. me support yeah. because once you lose those coping yeah. skills now you have to deal with life on life's terms and a lot of times people leave this very supported facility yeah. let's say it's rehab for 30 days and now they're literally naked in the woods mm-hmm. and they don't have their coping skills and they have to go back to like their lives and this mess and I mean, there's so many people that just can't do it because they don't have enough support. I think that's one of the things that we're, um, mm-hmm. as a as a world, we need to reevaluate how we support people that are in mm-hmm. that are addicted uh, through mm-hmm. that process because the uh, relapse rate is really high. Yeah. You know, the number of people who actually get sober and then those that relapse, it's really, it's the number 95%. small. 95%. Really 95. And there's well, 14,000 14, or so treatment centers in the U.S. So think about that. Mm-hmm. 
millions. And there's like, for me, I, I had the mentality, which was not good at all. What my mentality was, I did this alone. Uh, I have to do recovery alone. So that was my, like my husband. Yes. He'd be like, I'm super proud of you, but there was no one that I Mm -hmm. could call and vent or be like, I am getting triggered real bad. I don't want to read. Like there was no one that I had. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the beginning of my recovery would have been again, totally different if I had Mm -hmm. the support. Um, yeah, it's, but that was my mentality. I did this by myself. I got to fix it by myself type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until I got a bunch of support, different, different little areas, social, even social media, you know, um, the, she recovers meetings, all the different, many different little bits of support that helped me. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I quit drinking for a year before, but that was like a band-aid solution right? It was great. It was a great experience, but it wasn't until I really dug deep and got the community support is huge. It's huge. Mm -hmm. It's essential long-term support. Mm -hmm. And we're going to dedicate an episode to this. We are. um, After we do Meredith, the story for that episode, the following one is really looking at how we each recovered and um, what was important for us. I think this is a really good conversation. Um, Mm -hmm because I think we have a lot of common elements. We did it different ways, but we have these common elements. And, um, you know, I think it'll be helpful to talk about mm-hmm. that. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you again. Yes, thank thanks you, ladies. Anna. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, Check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4 Chicks. That's number four, Sober Chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.